Welcome to the Race Car Junkies podcast with your host, Peter Jones. Join us every Wednesday as we dive into all things road racing, building, and beyond. And now, here's your host, Peter Jones. Thanks for tuning in to Race Car Junkies. This is your host, Peter Jones. This is part two in the two-part series where we discussed thinning of wiring harnesses in part one. We're picking up where we left off with Matt Pruden of MicroPDM. So that sort of sums up the thinning of the harnesses and the options that are available with that. As I mentioned earlier, we've got Matt Pruden with MicroPDM here. Matt's a fellow Specky 46 racer. Though he still owns a Porsche, he's part of the original Porsche Defectors Club. And that's sort of how I met Matt, was not new to high-performance automobiles and certainly not new to cars, but new to me. We were both getting into the Specky 46 community at the same time. I think I was building my car. I had thinned my harness, and the first car that I put together, which was a while ago, but it had race car stuff, like push-button starter and an ignition switch and all of that cool stuff. And I got a just a regular off-the-shelf deal from Summit, Long Acre, supplied it, uh, wire up your stuff, and away you go. But I had to wire in a bunch of relays and other components to that, and, and there was a little bit more work involved. And then, Matt, you've been pushing on me for a while to come over to the micro PDM side. It all seemed way too much. You know me well enough to know that I can go lefty-loosey, righty-tighty, torque things. I'm pretty smart in pro- solving problems, but... When you started talking about can, I got lost. So thanks for coming in. Uh, When you built your car, did you thin your wiring harness? I guess we should start there. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. And uh, when I built my car, I did not thin my own harness. I sent that out and had that professionally thinned. And it came back and was able to just lay it right in the car. That was my choice. I'm assuming you sent that off to Kevin. Of course, Kevin Tulay, yeah. We mentioned Kevin earlier, so Kevin's certainly a reasonable option. Still at it today. So you got that back. I've seen Kevin's work. Kevin's work's super nice and tidy. Everything's labeled, easy to put together, or at least it is now. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's coming back, uh, he's got a cool little labeling system, so that all works out really well. So you drop that guy in the car, and then at that point, you decided you were doing something more than what I had in my car or what you traditionally see in club racing race yeah. cars. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I basically said, I want to add some switches. I want to add some additional power distribution to cover things like cool suits and stuff like that. And I wanted to be able to integrate in with my data logger, right? I had a race capture in the car at the time. I wanted to be able to integrate with that, do things like turn on a cooling fan if coolant temperature gets above a certain level and log how many times a driver is on the flash button or using the microphone for endurance racing and kind of geek out with the data. And I looked to see what was out there and I said, oh, well, there are these things called PDMs or power distribution modules and they do all these things. But then I realized, wow, those things are expensive. So that's when I had to do some research and, and see, well, wait a minute, perhaps this is something I can do on my own. So I went out in the garage and spent about a month and figured out, yeah, I think I can build one of these. You must have some background in electronics that led you down that road or programming that made you comfortable with that. Yeah, exactly. I spent, well, I've spent now, I don't know, over 20 years programming computers. So that just means I know how to write code. I don't do it much anymore and really haven't done it day to day for, I don't know, probably 10 years now. But I still have those skills. 
and I really stumbled across some industrial hardware out of Germany that doesn't do anything when you buy it, but it's basically a computer that's designed to go in a car or a piece of industrial equipment, and it's affordable. And all I had to do then was use the programming skills I had and really kind of reverse engineer a lot of it because it's not very well documented and figure out, okay, how can I make this little box do what I want? Again, yeah, it took me about a month of trying to figure it out until I had something that, okay, kind of did what I needed it to do. And then I kept iterating on that. Eventually other people saw it and said, oh, I want that in my car. I kind of got prodded into putting enough infrastructure around that to start a little business and start selling these. And now we've sold you know, hundreds of them. And they're in everything from satellites to high speed, like land speed record type motorcycles, all kinds of race cars, of course, off-road vehicles. And I was hoping that sometime last week I would get notified that we would be going into a formula car that everyone knows and MicroPDM would be in those by default because they're coming out with a new model wow. and they're thinking of adding those in. So if so, then, you know, hey, I, I think that, uh, that this little box is pretty useful to other people yeah. too. Well, so the, so the little box. So you're talking about the little inch and a half by inch and a half cube that plugs into what you call your rapid enclosure, if I'm not mistaken. That's a, the words in your mouth. But you mentioned that you were prodded by people to make this into a package. Your original idea was to sell the little box, the little cube, the micro PDM. That's the proprietary product that yeah. essentially you were putting together initially. And that... You were hoping guys were going to grab those like Tic Tacs and then plug them into their own gizmos and away you go. And I happen to be one of the guys that was overwhelmed by that. I'm not overwhelmed by the electrical aspect of it. I thin my own harnesses. I do all that. We talked about that earlier. But I was overwhelmed by the go find this, go find that. I've got enough stuff going on in building these cars that I didn't need to do that. The micro PDM showed up in a point of legacy's growth where we were looking to take our builds to a, another level of refinement. And certainly the PDM was intriguing to me. And I, I know that you showed up with a package that I needed, which was, these are all of the things, plug this into that, this into that, this into that follow these steps and here are all of the pigtail leads that you need to go to all of the other places that we traditionally go to. So thank you for that. <laughs> but that's more or less what's available now on the MicroPDM marketplace, right? You've got a nice yeah. online store and that's what's available there. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I started out by just selling the module and that was there so that it could be really sustainable for me. I have a day job. Right? And I can't, wiring these things up takes a lot of time and that's not something I could do. But what I found out is, yes, there is a small group of people that are familiar with taking these things. If, if you're in the industry, it's an ISO 280 form factor fuse box. Yep, lost. And this is a, it's a total industrial standard. And think of it as it's a grid of pins and things plug in it. And you can plug anything into that grid of pins. And this is really commonly used in motorsport. And in the off-roading community, people know how to use these things. If you've heard it called a busman box, that's what it is. But what I found, though, is that if I could pre-wire these things and have them in a couple configurations and make that really flexible, then that could just be that much easier on the car builder. They don't have to start from scratch. They don't have to buy one of these busman boxes and a bunch of 
terminals and run all their own wires. I could just provide these with flying leads and they could be plug and play. And so when I took that step, that's when my volume went up quite a bit. I still have a lot of customers that they don't even brand it as micro PDM. They just brand it however they're going to brand it. And they plug my module into some enclosure that they build. And some of them are even custom. And that's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But a lot of people, they just want something that's plug and play and they can throw it into a car. And that's where those rapid enclosures come from. And in fact, we mentioned Kevin Toulet. He's actually a supplier of the smaller rapid enclosures, the standard rapid enclosure. So Kevin Toulet's is he he's making those for you or he's Yeah, so if you go to the micropdm.com and you see the rapid enclosure, Kevin makes those. Awesome. So I basically have four suppliers I work with. I've got the company that makes the module. It's MRS Electronic out of Germany. I've got uh, Blink Marine, they make the keypads. They're out of Italy. And then Kevin Toulet makes the rapid enclosures and a guy named Jacob Kennett out of Wisconsin, I believe, he makes the larger rapid enclosures. That's, that's my supply chain. I have to keep it nice and easy because again, I'm just kind of a one-man show and I need to be able to keep a small amount of inventory so that I can make it as easy as possible on car builders or anyone else that wants to get started with the MicroPDM. Okay, so you know my unit in my car. Is that the small unit or the large unit? That's the large unit. Large unit. Okay, the large unit has, if I'm not mistaken, like seven outputs. While it has more outputs, some are high amperage and some are low amperage. So you explain that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So the MicroPDM module, it's got 12 pins. Some of those pins you need to add power to it or to ground it or the can pins or there's an ignition sense pin that has to be there. So that only leaves seven pins remaining. So those pins are your outputs. And as you configure it, you can turn those output pins on and off when you press buttons or they can respond to CAN messages. All the things that just like a big high dollar motorsport PDM would do, the micro PDM can do the same things. So you can be really smart about when those pins come off and on. But most people just, you press a button on a keypad, the pin turns on, you press it again, the pin goes off. So those pins then can drive low current circuits directly. So if it's something like a rain light, or a cool shirt pump or, or something like that, you can just drive those directly off those pins. Just connect a wire from the pin to the device and go. If it's something that's high current, you need to run through a relay. And this is really what is different about the micro PDM from say a you know $3,000 one is the micro PDM just doesn't have the, the heat sink, the size, the circuitry to drive those high current loads itself you need to go through a relay as an intermediary. Uh, you can always go through a solid state relay if mechanical relays scare you, but mechanical relays cost about five bucks. And assuming you keep them dry, they'll last 10 to 20 years. So mm -hmm. most people, a $5 relay is good enough, but if you wanna spend $40 on a solid state one, you can do that as well. And Micropedium will drive that. At that point, electronically, it's very similar to a a really expensive PDM. It's just modular, bite in pieces, put it together, and hopefully, you know, have a fast car. Yeah, no, I mean, it's worked really well for us. I I think I run, if I'm not mistaken, I run the eight button keypad, which you mentioned is the, that comes from Blink yep, or something. Blink I, I, I've mm -hmm. seen them online through other branding and stuff, very similar keypads. So I assumed that that was kind of an off the shelf thing. 
you weren't making that. But so I have eight buttons and I have seven outputs. So I have a blank yep. in mine. And I've put a blank in my last maybe five cars. I think I've put a blank in there. We use that button as a redundant push to talk. We have a, a system in that car as a Motorola radio system. And there's a redundant push to talk button. So in case the button on the wheel goes bad, we can reach up and grab that. That's what that button is for. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with it. So in some cases, you might use the micro PDM just to send a message to something else in the car. In that case, you're not controlling an output. So for example, if you've got an aim dash and you want to change the page of the dash and you don't have a button to do that, you can just press a button on the micro PDM and, and that'll change it. Or you're using a race capture and you want to go to the next screen or someone sends you a pit to car alert and you want to clear that and get it out of the way, well, you could just press a button on the micro PDM keypad and the race capture would know what to do. In that case, that eighth button that doesn't have an output pin could still be used for something. So essentially CAN messages. Yeah, use for CAN messages, which, exactly. Which, again, I, uh, I can't tell anybody what CAN is or how CAN works other than I know that there's two pairs of wires in all of my cars, CAN highs, CAN lows, or CAN 1-2 highs and lows, and they do things and send messages back and forth. I know we had to use some other proprietary box somebody sells to make that push-to-talk thing work. Have we gotten any closer to MicroPDM being able to handle that without that, or is that still something we would need? Yeah, so the MicroPDM supports two auxiliary boards, if you will, if you wanted to use a steering wheel to have redundant buttons to the micro PDM. So for example, if everything is controlled through a CAN keypad, everything is controlled through a micro PDM keypad in your car, push to talk, flash to pass, drink bottle, traction control, whatever. And you wanted to have those same controls on a steering wheel. You could buy either an analog X from Autosport Labs, or you could buy a CAN switchboard from ECU Master. And both of these are tiny little circuit boards that are designed to fit inside the hub of a steering wheel. Okay. So you have to do some wiring. You wire that thing in. You wire it in on the same CAN bus as the micro PDM, connect your switches to it. And the micro PDM knows how to speak that language. So without anything else, the micro PDM can be configured to then respond to those buttons on the steering wheel. So it just gives you a little bit better ergonomics for the driver. I designed it this way so that it was always redundant because those steering wheel cables seem to always have a problem. Yeah. You know, hour seven of a race and the driver gets in and steps on the cord with the foot and rips it all out. That's okay because it's redundant to what's on the keypad. So you can always just use the keypad. And the other thing that we do there is you can daisy chain keypads. You can add up to, I think, three keypads. You could have two completely redundant keypads if you wanted to. And it's all there because racing is hard on the equipment and we wanted to make this thing as robust as possible. So if you want to have completely redundant buttons everywhere, you want to have five keypads. Well, you can't do that, but you can have three <laughs> okay. and, and go from there. And actually, there's been customers that do rally racing where they've got a keypad for the, the guy that sits right seat, the, the crazy person that's not driving, so that they can operate some circuits separate from the driver. So I spend a little bit of time when I get this thing the way I do it anyway. I don't do it in the car anymore. The first one I did in the car, but now actually when I order them from you and they show up, I go sit out on the couch, turn on Netflix. I've got a battery, a couple of little jumper leads on it. 
I wake the thing up and I do a lot of button pushing to go through the programming to get it to my configuration. The way I set my cars up, you know, ignition button is always in the same location, same color. Start is there. I have mine set up that when the ignition is on, my fan automatically comes on, my radio automatically comes on, my data automatically comes on, which, you know, fires up my AIM and my Smarty Cam and all that good stuff. That process is pretty straightforward and pretty easy. Is there some way that I can set it up one time? Yeah, so if you get your setup the way you want, I can pre-configure it for you so it just arrives set up like you want. So that's that's the easy button. That would be amazing. Yeah, so... Why am I not doing that? I don't know. Okay. But uh, I think I've offered before. You You're have. like, ah, don't worry about it. You're too much of a nice guy. You know, I've got a little program and it. I hit a button and it's just configured. So that's very easy for me to do. So there's really two ways to do this. You can do it like, like you do, which is where you take the keypad and it's kind of like setting an old school alarm clock. You got to press a bunch of buttons. A lot of buttons. Uh, and if you do that, that's great, right? It's com it's configured and you're good to go. The other way to do it is to do it over CAN. <laughs> and this is where if you know how to speak CAN and you've got software and hardware that can interface between your computer and a, and a CAN bus, you can just send CAN messages to do the same thing. But you don't have to. So we've gone to great lengths to make sure that Everything you can do configuration-wise can be done from the driver's seat if you want, from the keypad. You don't have to break out a laptop. You don't need to download some software. You don't need to run any updates. You can just do it right there. But if you want to do those things, you always can. It's just quite a bit techy right now. We've thought about actually writing an app so that you could open up your laptop, plug in a CAN interface, and have some kind of point-and-click app. But at this point, I don't think there's enough demand to do that and that's a pretty big lift to write that kind of app and keep it up to date and a lot of people say they like it that they don't require that they don't have to deal with a laptop and buggy software that that never seems to work right that's why we decided to just let you configure it with the keypad yeah if i can do it then certainly anybody can do it and, and you're right like i said i sit down i fire up netflix i have my little battery my little system and it's not terribly cumbersome and I think the other reason that I said I got it was the more times I do it the more routine it gets and then that way when I am trackside and I do need to change something or one of my clients doesn't want the fan on all the time anymore because it's a cold day and he wants to decide when to turn the fan on I know how to just reach over inside push the buttons and get the thing done and get it back for me if i gave up control of that and they just showed up it'd be too few and far between for me to keep that muscle memory but you've got a nice little guide that comes with it you've got good literature online your online presence is phenomenal it's really come a long way from when you started so anytime that i get stumped i can always go back to that and get back to where i need to be which is very cool okay so i have eight buttons seven options, but there are bigger keypads and smaller keypads as well. I have the large rapid enclosure. You also have a smaller enclosure. Yeah, I've got one that doesn't have any relays. So that would be if you already have relays or you're just integrating it in with all the factory wiring already in your car, just get that one and then just terminate your wires wherever they need to, to simulate whatever you're trying to do or, or to emulate whatever you're trying to do. Something that is different about the micro PDM from, let's say, the, the big dollar PDMs is 
you know, we don't encourage you to rewire your car to use this. Yeah. So, you know, whenever I was doing the market research for this, I talked to a lot of AIM dealers. I talked to electrical engineers that work for some of the big OEMs. And I kept hearing this all the time, which is there's a huge cost to installing these things. So if you're to go buy, I don't know, something from Motec, yes, it's expensive and I'm sure it's amazing. But then the expectation is you're going to create your own wiring harness in your car. And a lot of people go down that road and then they realize, wow, I, I made a mistake, right? Creating a harness from scratch is hundreds of hours of effort to do properly. You need special tooling. And if you try to do that as an amateur, you're probably going to make some mistakes the first couple times. I never encourage someone to do that. I say, if you've got good wiring in your car, just, just leave it alone. Let's figure out how to interface the Micropedium into that wiring and save yourself a lot of time. Some people really like to yank all the wiring out and lay all new wires themselves. For those people, go for it. You know, and the Micropedium may not be the solution for them, right? For them, if they're doing that, especially if they're paying someone to do that, money's not an object for them. They can just go ahead and get the most expensive, fancy PDM on the market. That's excellent, and those are great solutions. But that's not really where we sit. Yes, you're in a sweet spot in the marketplace where, I mean, I would imagine this has gone to a I'm using quotey fingers, a pro team. We're not, we're not pros. I'm not a pro. <laughs> I'm, not I'm, pro I'm a guy, I'm a guy that goes around like, you know, essentially a hack on the golf course. I go and I do the best that I can, but my livelihood is not dependent upon my racing. I mean, it's certainly performing well has helped build the legacy brand, but I have yet to be paid a single penny for any racing that I've ever done. So most of the, the stuff that you're going to, these are guys who are, utilizing smaller shops. This is not Hendricks Motorsports and so on and so forth. That's where you're saying that they're, they've got their engineers that are busting out their electronics. They've got super one-off cars and every part on that thing is bespoke and they're using different electronics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're an IMSA team, go ahead and just have your wiring department take care of this. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not where we play. Now, there have been a couple, I think, Audi R8s running in IMSA that have bought MicroPDMs because they need it for some small part of the electronics in the car. But any of those highly regulated race series where you've got the scrutineering harness goes in and, you know, we're, we're not sure we're not in that league. We're not trying to be. Well, there's more of us regular guys than there are the IMSA teams anyway. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's probably fine. I know that anybody that sticks their nose in my car, because, you know, when we go to the track, you've seen it. A lot of folks come over and they're looking at the legacy cars and sticking their nose in. They see the tablet. They think that's awesome. Directly below the tablet is the keypad, and they want to know how the keypad talks to the tablet. I generally tell them it doesn't, but that's false. It can. I know you have done something for me at some point in time in one of my cars that did something with race capture. I don't recall <laughs> what it was, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. The cool thing about the race capture that you have is it's extremely flexible. There's this scripting environment in there where you can do anything under the sun inside the race capture, assuming that the hardware is capable. And one of those things you can do is you can detect what's going on with the micro PDM. So you can detect when something pushes a button. So you could say, for example, um, whenever someone presses a button, I'm just going to change 
screens on my tablet. That would be a very easy thing to do. That's very natural in the race capture environment. It's very natural for the micro PDM. So that's super easy. But something that, you know, I do, so I use a race capture in my car as well. And what I do is, uh, you know, very simply, the race capture knows what's going on in the car's ECU. It knows the temperature of the coolant. So I say, okay, if the coolant temperature gets above this level, just turn my fan on. And it doesn't do that with a wire. It does that, well, it does that over CAN. It just sends a CAN message that the MicroPDM picks up. You know, something that you could do is you could say, okay, when the car gets below 20 miles an hour at this location, I don't know, flash the headlights, turn on the submarine lights inside the car so the driver can see when they're doing a driver change because the race capture knows the speed, the race capture knows location with GPS. There's no reason why you couldn't have the race capture then tell the micro PDM to flash the headlights and turn on the submarine lights. You know, that's just, it's a really natural thing to do. Natural, but I just got lost. I mean, I understand everything it's, you it's, said. Technically, it's all very natural. You would need someone to go into the race capture and write about 20 lines of code okay. to do that. Okay. But those things are very, that's very, easy to do if you know how to do those things. You can do the same thing in, in aim land. If you've got, you know, your aim dash and that's connected to the car's CAN bus, you could, I forget what they call it, alarms and other things, math channels, right? However they do their, their configuration, use those tools that they provide, send a CAN message and do things, turn things off and on. Yeah, that I've done. Sort of, because the, there's essentially a drop-down menu and buttons, and I can click. But yeah. uh, the race capture, I'm super familiar with the race capture in terms of the the language and the ability to do whatever you want to do. I'm part of the race capture community, have been for a while. So it's really cool to see what guys are doing with it. I'm not using it for near its capabilities, but I do enjoy it. I do appreciate it. I've been messing around lately with ECU Master. Are you familiar with ECU Master? You, yep. you mentioned them earlier as some sort of interface. So I've actually got a, a project out there that is the ECU Master Black Engine Management Unit, and then their, their ECU Master PDM, which is the first time I've had one of those in my shop. I haven't gotten to the PDM because we're still working on getting the car to run on the engine management unit. The car is not designed for that. It's an older car. It's a, it's a whole other episode, a whole other long story. But ultimately, the idea is to eliminate a bunch of this outdated electronics that are in this car and switch it over to that PDM. Uh, is their unit similar to what you're doing language-wise? or So their unit will differ from what we have in probably two main ways. The first way is they can drive high current loads directly off the PDM. So you don't have to go through this intermediary relay or anything like that. So that's, that's a good thing. The second thing is that their unit can also naturally or natively kind of sniff the signals already on the car. So without having to go through like a race capture to do things, you could just do all that directly in the PDM or without having to go through an aim to do things, you could do that directly through the PDM. But that's part of what you're paying them for, right? Because I mean, that's from a price point standpoint, that unit is not a cheap unit. So I'm, yeah. I'm paying them to provide the, the high current relays that are solid state relays or whatever that's all part of their enclosure right. their package and then their programming and all of that is the same as what i'm paying you for for 
your little inch and a half by inch and a half micro PDM cube, right? Yeah. So to the driver, it's no different. It's the exact same keypad. They use Blink Marine keypads just like we do. Exactly the same. The functionality is very similar. I'm sure there are things that you can do with their PDM that the micro PDM can't do. Similarly, there are probably things the micro PDM can do that theirs can't do. But at the end of the day, you're really paying for no relays and for the ability to remove an aim or a race capture from the car if you didn't want to run those things. So you mentioned the high current leads a couple of times, and I'm sitting here getting a little bit nervous about the way that I've wired my cars up. Not appropriately, possibly. So how high current, like how far can we go and what can I run on it? I like to say is two and a half amps per output. If you're going above that, consider a relay. And two and a half amps, you think, well, that's not very much. But any dash or radio turn on or small LED light, you know, rain lights, cool shirt pumps, you know, those things, cool suit pumps. Yeah, that's all under two and a half amps. On my car, I actually run the, the factory E46 ignition signal that, that would have come through the ignition switch. I measured that and it was not even an amp. So I just run that direct. So you could say my whole car, right, just runs directly off one of the micro PDM pens because it's, it's never going to hit anywhere near two and a half amps. Now, the cool thing about PDMs and the micro PDM is no different is if you go over that, well, nothing really happens. Uh, in the case of the micro PDM, we just turn the button off. So whatever button was controlling that output, we just turn it off. So you have to turn it back on. So it's kind of like a circuit breaker. So nothing's going to melt or blow up. Same thing if you accidentally short circuit it. It's got native short circuit protection. You can take a hot wire and ground it and nothing will happen. You know, the wire's not going to get hot and melt. It's not going to cause a fire. So the micro PDM does all the short circuit and overcurrent protection that you would expect natively. Now, if you're running through a relay, you need to also have that hot wire that's feeding the relay. That needs to be protected with a fuse or some other kind of protection. Don't worry about overdoing it. If you do, the button will just turn off. Okay. Try it again. Oh, it turned off again. Well, I'm probably pulling too much current out of that. Gotcha. So this year at the 25, we had a lot of rain. We had a lot of water in the car from the high downforce cars running by. We had a problem with the radio communication at some point in time. And I mentioned previously in one of the episodes that the, the Motorola head unit was soaking wet. And it turns out that's somewhere between the head unit and the connections from the IMSA cables and all of that stuff in the car. Something got wet and we were going to ground. So we had a lot of clickety-clack clatter on the, on the comms that was super annoying. However, the rapid enclosure was sitting there on the tunnel with easy access. That thing... Like, it had mud and water all over it, but operated flawlessly the whole time. That unit's a completely sealed unit? Yeah, it's completely sealed. You can take the hose and run it over it, and totally yeah. sealed, nothing's going to happen. Between that and the blank keypad, I imagine that that, in my head, probably saved us some additional grief over the grief we would have had if we had a traditional fuse panel down there, you know, some sort of open circuit board with quick and easy access fuses. The PDM has a bunch of fuses inside of it as well, right? So when when I do blow a fuse or I do have a problem, that's kind of why I keep it easy access on the tunnel so I can jump in there and get to it. I, I really haven't encountered that yet, but yep. I know that it was in, let's uh, again, quote fingers, in harm's way the entire time. 
and operated flawlessly. So aside from ECU Master and their PDM and, and the big boys and other stuff, I know AIM came barreling into the market saying that they were going to have something live. Justin Ross was one of the early adopters. That's right. Did it go flawlessly? Well, you'll have to ask Justin. I have. From, from an outsider, I would say, no, it did not go flawlessly. I have asked Justin, and he said no, but he's not here, so... Yes, so what I think a lot of people don't realize in the age of 99-cent apps from the App Store is that software is really hard to do well. And I think AIM had some pressure to get a product out to market, and I don't know anyone at AIM, but I'm just speculating. And a lot of that software was just rushed. And thankfully, AIM has such a very strong service network or their dealer network, at least in the US, that they were able to deal with that pain without it causing a lot of problems for them. But that product, when it was released, was not ready. I hear it's gotten a lot better. And this is really just AIM finding those bugs, iterating on the software. And that's one reason why I decided to develop my own is because from being in software for so long, I don't have a high tolerance for buggy software that makes it out in the wild. I expect that those bugs are found before I pay for a product. So whenever I decided to go down this road of the micro PDM, I had to make sure that there aren't any bugs that people are going to find. It needs to be rock solid. It needs to be reliable every time. It needs to just work. I think that's what people expect and that's what we've tried to do with the micro PDM. The AIM PDM is much more advanced than what we do. And so I, I don't want to act like it's, it's an apples to apples comparison. It's certainly not. Software's hard. They had to get a product out. They've got conferences and marketing events they have to do, and they had to ship that product. It wasn't ready then. I think it's ready now. And clearly it works because uh, that 72 car cleaned house yet again at, yeah. the, at the 25. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have any issues with it. If you were to advise somebody at this point in time, local club racer, looking to get rid of that long acre switch panel like I had in my car. How do we tell a guy to reach out and ask some questions about which products he needs for how many leads he has? Or is, is the website set up such that a guy can kind of figure that out himself? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, they can go to the website, look around there, all the documentation's up there. I've got some videos of just demonstrating some concepts with the micro PDM. The other place you can go is you can go to Facebook and we have a micro PDM community Facebook group. And you can just ask a question right there. And that way, if I'm traveling and can't respond quickly, some other member of the community, someone that's probably done it with the micro PDM, they can respond, get those questions answered. If not, they can always send an email, info at micropdm.com. I respond to those, ask any question. Hopefully, you know, I can point them in the right direction. You mentioned the... Average Joe who already has everything wired up can get away with the small enclosure. The small enclosure is essentially, is that still going to have the same capacity for channels? I'm running the eight button keypad. He could still run the eight button keypad, but he's basically going to get leads that just turn on his relays that are existing in the car. Yeah, it's already in the car. Okay. So if you've already got your relays, everything's already set in your car. Yeah, just get the the normal, what we call the rapid enclosure, and a single PDM module and a keypad, and connect the flying leads off the rapid enclosure to 
whatever circuits you're going to control in your car. So if you want to turn on your fuel pump, just connect it to the wire that's already being used to turn on your fuel pump in your car. And there you go. Your fuel pump is on or your headlight relay. Okay, just drive that lead or connect that lead to your headlight relay and you're in business. I would imagine there are ebbs and flows throughout the season, just like there are in my shop. My shop's full to the gills at the moment with all of the preseason hurry-ups. You know, everybody's ready to go again, plus a couple of builds that are going on. Is there an ebb and flow in your season in the micro PDM community? Has the supply chain sort of caught up where you're sitting okay at the moment, or are you having any issues with keeping up with that stuff? Yeah, no issues with inventory right now. This is probably the busy season. Most of our business is in North America, U.S. and Canada. Shipping to Europe is still a pain. I still don't know how to do that very well. Shipping to Asia is even harder. Shipping to Australia is a disaster. But yeah, right now, because it's the downtime, it's the down season for grassroots racing here in the U.S., this is the time when people are tinkering with their cars. So yeah, this is probably the busy season. I will say that a lot of the things I get come from Italy, right? Especially the keypad inserts. Those are probably the hardest thing to keep stocked because I might get, you know, an order might come in for 10 fuel reset keypad inserts and that'll clean me out. And it's going to take four months to get more. Sure. Those things are all individually made, custom when the order is placed, and it just takes a long time. So aside from that, yeah, inventory is no problem. Everything should be there. I do what I can to keep inventory up to date, and uh, I ship everything out directly, and yeah, typically not a problem. We've mentioned the website several times, didn't mention the website address. Micropdm.com. Did you... Decide on the MicroPDM name because MicroPDM.com was available? Yes. There you go. Smart. Okay. Yes. And it, it's a PDM. It's just micro size. It's, it's tiny. So I thought, well, this is appropriate. Well, it works really well for us. It works really well in our cars. Is there anything else that we left off the table that you'd like to touch on today? Well, I just can't wait to start the race season. It's coming. In addition to making micro PDM, I also try to beat you on the racetrack. Which happens on occasion. On occasion. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're getting uh, within the three-week window or so of being able to kick off. I actually get to go to the racetrack for the first time next weekend. I don't get to drive. I get to support a car and see a new racer get his racing license. So that'll be fun. Our NASA NorCal season kicks off. March 3rd, 4th, 5th weekend. So my stable of cars and my guys are already excited and they've got their little wish list to do in the, the next couple of days before we get those guys loaded up and ready to go. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing Yada on the track, seeing the micro PDM car in my mirror, hopefully. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time to come in today. I hope we've taught everybody a couple of lessons or at least gotten those that were concerned about their electrical systems, how to how to deal with their wiring harnesses, giving them some ideas, maybe gotten a few people who were afraid of it, unafraid of it, and those that are still afraid of it have nice ideas and places to go these days. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Race Car Junkies podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. 
This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions and Legacy Motorworks.